are you going? No, man, you got the right classroom. Come on in, take a seat beside me, my friend. Hey, look, here come T.A. Charlie. Let's see what he got to say. Morning, you're watching The Road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic. Homeroom is on Rumble. You just go to Rumble and you search the channels for The Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, you go ahead and you click follow. Might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast. It's easy. It's free. I did it. You can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and X, formerly Twitter. And sometimes on YouTube, but that won't be today. Because Oh, no, not today. We would yes. get censored. It might get censored on Facebook with today's might. subject. We've been doing pretty good, though. I'm surprised we haven't got a strike on Facebook. But anyway. Yeah, they're falling down on the job out then there. Then you can catch the podcast after the show. It's uploaded to Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Sometimes on BitChute. Just look for The Road to Concord. You can go to the blog page. That's theroadtoconcord.com. That's where you'll find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. Finally, you can email a professor at joe at the road to concord.com. He's a little slow, but he'll eventually get around to emailing <sighs> you back. Phones are on today, but only for registered numbers. If you wish to call in and are a regular classmate, you may request phone access through an email, and I'll think about it. <laughs> if you find our classes helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Just warn them, Joe is an acquired taste. You'll probably get a little bit of that taste in your mouth today. Uh, this show is listener-sponsored, meaning we do not solicit business advertising, so we're not limited in the content we provide for y'all. <clears throat> With that said, we ask for your participation on a value-for-value -value basis. If you find our show of value to you, you provide an equivalent portion of your labor and treasure through the donut link on the Road to Concord blog page, the show description on Rumble, and the comments on the other streams. Hey, we all know T.A. Charlie isn't all there. Now, just stay seated and give it a chance. You'll soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently form opinions based on reason and logic. We're free thinkers. Let's see what the road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic has on the lesson plan for today. Oh, this is going to be an interesting show. Just going to get right into it. Um... It's not going to go where I thought it was going to go. So I got home yesterday. Got a note from the app on my phone from AT&T. You know, my internet provider said, your internet's fixed. I get home. No, it isn't. So I go through the app and tell them, no, it's not working. And they said, oh, you got a problem with your internet. We'll schedule an appointment. So they're going to come today. And then last night, they sent me a message and said, there's an internet problem in your area. So I don't have the internet still. And that means my business is down. It also means it's very hard for me to put the show notes together for you here at night. I got to come in early in the morning and do it. So I sketched down a little, um, just a little something I thought I was going to talk about today. And then I get into the show this morning and I start putting a, just a short slideshow together for you. And I realized, holy crap, this isn't going to go where I thought it was going to go. So if you're, a regular listener, you know that I follow the bouncing ball. That's my way of saying I follow the Holy Spirit. Well, I might have to rename him the White Rabbit because <laughs> I followed this White Rabbit down a hole today, baby. Um, we're going to be dealing with social engineering. At least I thought we were. And we sort of kind of are. But before we dive into where we're going to end up being, let's let's touch a little bit 
on where I thought I was going to take this before I got sidetracked. Y'all thought about lately, and oh boy, if you miss this show, let me promise you by the time we're done, Charlie and Natasha have seen the, the slideshow. Charlie, pop your microphone on real quick. Do I not tie a whole bunch of previous shows together by the end of the day? Oh, my. I had fireflies going off all over the place when we went through this. Yeah, we're going to light up your world today if you've been with us yeah, any if you've been with us, you're going to have a light show today. Yes, I promise you. And I didn't realize we were going this way. So social engineering, we've touched on this a little bit, where we create the society we want. And I realized that we have become so enamored with our computers. I'm not sure most of us know how to function without them anymore. I, it, it, even myself a little bit, but you know, I managed to get this done without the computer and could have done it without it if I didn't need it to. But I got to thinking last night, this is where I thought we were going to go and this will work. So hang with me. This actually is going to, I didn't realize it, but this is going to slide right into where we're going. Sense of identity. We have to, if I want to change the world, then people are the clay in which the consummate leader works, right? Woodrow freaking Wilson tells us this. So I want to change you. How do I change your sense of identity? I, I got to take away your patriotism. Has there been an attack on the patriotism in this country, of this country? Have we been tried to be taught to do a different type of patriotism in this country? I, I'd, I'd argue yes. We're going to attack religion. Specifically, only two religions in this country. Really, only one. But, okay, we're going to attack religion. We're going to attack political orientation. Race. And anything that identifies you with a people group other than the one I want you to be identified to. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nudge you in the direction I want you to go. So we're going to erase your history. We're going to change the past and even the present in the real time. We're going to do it right in front of you. Change. Have we not shown class? You know, we've discussed this on this class before where they changed the definition of fascism. They've changed the definition of a vaccine. Do you realize that when they changed the definition of a vaccine, they changed a law? And have we not discussed fireflies going off yet? Have we not discussed how progressive change progressives change things by changing the word? It, it, you didn't actually change the law by changing the definition of a vaccine. The, the intent of the law remains, but the way they're going to apply it changed because they changed the meaning of the word. This is all, oh man, this is just, I really don't know how to explain this. Gaslighting deep fakes with AI videos. We can't trust anything we see anymore. Can't trust anything you hear. Glenn Beck tried to tell us this was coming. It's here. I just got a, my wife, Bibi told me that, you know, Sam's is going to quit checking your receipt when you go out the door. They're going to do that with AI somehow. They're going to replace us, all of us, in some way, shape, or form or another. Social engineering. Well, that's what political correctness and wokeism are all about. It's changing the society. And why are they going to change the society? Well, they weren't allowed to change the people through eugenics. That didn't work too well. And I think it's not that it didn't work too well. I think what they found is it doesn't work at all. Human nature can't be changed.
So what they have to do is try to reprogram you. That can be done. Where have they struck the hardest? Family. So we're going to go after fathers by the use of things like toxic masculinity. We're going to attack fathers. We're going to, we're going to attack fatherhood through the welfare program, make it where, you know, you can't make money off the government. If you're married, you got to be single. And as soon as the father is no longer responsible for his child and the wife doesn't, you know, the woman doesn't want to get married and be a wife anymore. We're, we're going to attack all this. We're going to attack motherhood through feminism. We're going to try to make women into men, men into women and the children. That's where they're spending the most of their time. There's no corporal punishment anymore. There are participate participation trophies. Um, there's we've an elevated sense of self-direction, you know, go talk to the children, Al Gore, you children understand things. Your parents don't No, they don't No, they don't. And he knows that. And, um, we have pushing sexuality on our children in kindergarten and giving them free abortion so that they're free from the concept, supposedly free of the consequences of their actions. Now we got sex changes where a child, a child cannot supposedly drink or own a firearm, but they can make a life altering decision, like decide to change their own sex through surgery. Not, they're not changing anything. They're just mutilating their bodies. And they're under the influence of these Spengali's that call themselves teachers. And I, I keep remembering the sociologist in me when I was going to sociology school in 1993, 94, the number one reason that people went into being public school teachers was because they wanted to change the world. That's not what a teacher is supposed to do. And then the destruction of our education system to begin with. That's another one of the tools of social engineering. This is why the progressive always goes, the secular humanist always goes after the school system because that's a form of indoctrination now. That, that's the vehicle by which they employ their social engineering. Um, education today is not education, it's indoctrination. Don't forget, I, I couldn't find it right away this morning. I don't have my at, uh, my full, I don't have all my files here. But if you've been with this show any length of time, you've heard me read that quote by the education secretary or whatever. Somebody in national education said that children come to them in the school system already mentally ill because they're patriotic and they believe in God and Jesus. They've been infected by their parents. And this, this high up doctor of psychology in the education system said that the teacher has to disinfect the child. And what did John freaking Dewey tell us? That the teacher is the prophet of the new religion where man is his own God. And we, we dismiss all of this symbolic language at our own peril. Oh boy, at our own peril. Like today, the way I titled this show, a lot of people are going to skip it. Oh boy, is that going to be a mistake? Titled it that way on purpose. I pretty much only wanted the core classmates here today because you'll understand where we're heading once we get going. And the education system is being used against us and we have to fund it. We're taxed to destroy ourselves. And then the mechanisms by which they do this, once they program you in the school system, then they maintain their programming through televisions. Screens of some sort, F cell phone, television, video games, some sort of screen. And oh boy, we're going to see where this was telegraphed long ago before TV was in everybody's house. 
before it was a popular thing, before only the rich could afford it when this telegraph came out. But through the TV, phone, games, it's all screens. And notice what it's called. Tell a vision. A vision of what? I don't know. But what's on your television? Programming. We could have called it other things. How is it that we titled it television and programming? And we think that that's just a coincidence. It's amazing how many things we'll chalk up to coincidence in our world, if we even notice them. But how many of us notice them? And then if we're going to tell a different version of reality, if we're going to destroy the truth, we have to replace it with something. Nature abhors a vacuum. So we've got to replace it with a new mythology, a new storyline, some other narrative. That's what we're going to be getting down to here. Tell live vision. Yes, red blood. So we, this is where I ended up going today. And I don't, I don't know if, let's just see where the go, show goes. I told you in the title, Dune, I've been reading the book because I have no internet. Well, since my internet's down, my TV's down. And oh boy, has this been a blessing. I'm learning to look at things this way. It's a blessing because it forced me to go do something. We had watched Dune on Sunday night, my wife and I, because we're waiting for the second movie to come out. I don't know that I'm going to go see it now. I've been looking forward to it. I was aware of something in the movie, but I didn't realize just how much the movie is based on it. I was aware of it. I thought it was just overtones. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, boys and girls, if I have ever said it and meant it, buckle up, buttercup. This is going to be a rough ride for some of us, especially if you like Dune. So I'm sitting here thinking about what to talk about today, social engineering, and I'm reading this book. And by the way, I'm on page 483 and I just started reading it Tuesday night. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, could somebody, could, could, could there be an overlord who plans the overthrow of the world? Well, no, that's too complicated a thinking, Joe. Well, this author did it very well. The, in the book, if you've never seen the movie Dune, there's a group of female, basically priestesses. They're called the Bene Gesserits, right? Well, if you're a Roman Catholic, that'll remind you very much of the Jesuit brothers. You know, a sect of priesthood. These Bene Gesserits are borderline witches. And they're trying to alter the course of the entire human race through psychological manipulation of people everywhere, especially at the higher levels of government. And through psychological manipulation of people bordering on witchcraft. Because the, the Bene Gesserits are called witches in the book. And then, represented by the Baron Harkonnen, another character here, because this is very feudalistic um, environment in this book, feudalistic and fascistic. And that's important. Don't miss this. Get back to it. But it's like barons and, and emperors and all this, this stuff. Well, the Baron Harkonnen leads one of the houses, the great houses, you know, family lines. And he's trying to take over. He wants to become the emperor. And he's trying to do it through political intrigue and military force. And then there's a group of people on this planet, Arrakis, Dune planet, the desert planet Arrakis. 
They're called the Fremen. They're trying to engineer the world by geological science engineering, but you know, they're, they're trying to engineer the planet and they want to change their world. And all of these different agendas in the book are religious in nature. And when you see how intricately this author has, I mean, the intrigue in this book is just as a pure piece of uh, science fiction literature, this is brilliance on a level that I, I'm surprised it took me so long to read it. But I realize now, looking back, why I didn't read it until now. I wouldn't have understood until now what I was reading. Oh, I, I understand it now. I see it clear as day. I see what I'm reading. I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm aware. But the point here is, if this author can dream up this level of intrigue and this level of, I mean, layer upon layer upon layer of understanding of human nature, if one man can do it, imagine what five or six together like him talking to each other and working it out. Imagine what they could do if they had the powers of, of global control finance, because this is all tied to money in this book. It, it, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I see why people read it. I get it, but it'll take you down a rabbit hole. So let's get back to Dune in a bit. Before we go to Dune, I want to remind us of this man, Barack Hussein Obama. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Let me lay a quick little teaser for you. Did y'all, any of you remember the show we did on Islam and the history of Islam? Does anybody remember Muhammad's night journey to heaven where he goes from where he's at in Medina or whatever in Saudi Arabia, he goes to Jerusalem in a vision. And then he he's riding this mythical creature that flies him up to heaven. It's called a Barak. Now in Arabic, it's B-A-R-Q-U. But if you transliterate it, it comes out Barak, B-A-R-A-K-R-A-C-K. It's called a Barak. It's a mythical creature, a lightning creature what the word means it's connected to the idea of lightning just wanted to drop that there no no particular reason george orwell 1984 what's that got to do joe okay you've done dune you've done barack obama you've done muhammad and islam and now we're in 1984 and george orwell and you started out talking about social engineering and white rabbits which is alice in wonderland joe you're crazy you've lost it you know, the dodo cop yesterday was right. You're psychopath, Joe. You're you're psychotic. You think none of this is all connected? Oh, just sit down and buckle up. Make sure your five-point harness is all nice and tight because it is connected. I see our dodo cop is here. Dodo, you better behave yourself today because my sniper's back. Power is tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in a new shape of your own choosing. This is a quote from the book 1984. I have told you before, this is one of the ancient ways of showing that you're a god. You undo things, you create chaos, you tear it apart, and then you put it back together again, closer to your heart's desire. Does anybody know where that firefly comes from? Charlie, where's that firefly come from? Closer to our heart's desire. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> um fabian stained glass oh, 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 window oh, that's right yes yes ah orwell's a fabian 
Yes. Yeah, yes. fireflies are going to start That's going true. off if you've been in this class, boys and girls. This is one of these days where you're going to understand why your classmate, Mr. Zinker, likes me so much. My filing cabinets are all pulled out. All my little filing cards are out and ready to go. So Mr. Orwell also says the most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history. This is again from 1984. One of your classmates asked me, what is a good book on psychological operations? I can't, I, I directed into the army manual on how to do it. If you want to look at a book that depicts how it's done in real life and show you psychological operations in operation, read George Orwell's 1984 or Dune. And I'll explain as we go on. So the most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their understanding of their history. That's because he who controls the past controls the future. What? He who controls the present controls the past. What? If I control today, the media and the school system of today, I can change what you think the past said. I can make you think that Benjamin Franklin was a deist, even though Franklin said he wasn't. I can make you think that Thomas Jefferson was a deist, even though Thomas Jefferson said he wasn't. Or for our classmate here, Colonel Brett, I can make you think that Jefferson loved having his slaves even though Thomas Jefferson went broke to taking care of them because he couldn't free them because of the laws of the state of Virginia. You got to look into that, but you're not told that because the school system and the historians and the media afterwards have lied to us and they support the lie. Well, you've seen somebody tell you they're going to do that right up in your face and nobody paid attention. Michael, I mean, <clears throat> Michelle Obama Barack knows that we're going to have to make sacrifices. Why do progressives always want to sacrifice? Because gods demand sacrifice and they think they're gods. Oh no, Joe, they never said that. No, not directly. They may not even think that way, but they talk as ancient gods. So Barack, the flying mythical creature that takes Muhammad to heaven, knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation, political correctness and wokeism. We're going to have to change our traditions, your history, says our traditions and our history. We're going to have to make, have to move into a different place. We're going to remake our history. That woman is quoting George Orwell in a different way. Maybe it's a woman. I don't know. You decide. I, I, I got no idea. I, I, you figure that one out. I'm, I'm, that's another rabbit hole. But then here's another quote from Orwell's book, every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed, every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. Does that not sound like Saul freaking Alinsky? How many people remember that class? That it's not about what you're doing. It's not about the agenda. It's only about the movement. It's about the here and now. That, that's all that matters is the here and now, the movement. Don't think of the past. Don't think of the future. That's what Orwell's telling us, right? We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. 
William Casey, CIA director, from his staff meeting in 1981. Read it again. Let it sink in good and hard when everything they believe is false. He's essentially saying that they have implemented the plan from Orwell's 1984. So right now you're probably thinking, Joe, this is all just conspiracy theories. You're waving your hands and connecting your little pieces of a, you know, thread, yarn thread, right? Conspiracy theory kook. Except if you've been in this class, you know that the CIA is connected to the deep state and Woodrow freaking Wilson's bureaucratic deep state within a state within the government. And that that's all connected to Fabians and the Fabians are George Orwell. And there's a reason all of these threads are connected because there's a central planner. There's a central planner behind all of it. And that planner exists longer than the life of one human being. See, now that's one of the things in this book that struck me. Any Jesuits, Aaron, the Fremen, they all think generationally. Hundreds of generations in some cases. They expect their plans to take fruition hundreds of years in the future. And they're religiously fanatical about their dedication to it, willing to die for their religious cause in their planning. The only way man does that, the only way, the only way humans stay on that course that long is when you make it a religion. If you leave it to humanity alone, humans will not, not even within their own lifetime will they stay on a course that long unless they're obsessed and then their children won't pick up the mantle and run with it. And yet we see that everywhere. That's because there's a spiritual hand behind it, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Also from Orwell's 1984, the people will not revolt. They will not look up from their screens long enough to notice what's happening. Hmm. Does that look familiar? All those little children looking at their cell phone, walking off the edge of the cliff into the spiraling abyss. But Joe, that's just a meme. That's not. Back again. Back. Notice it's the same picture just been photoshopped into the meme. That's where that came from. Now, I could have shown you pictures of adults doing the same thing. I don't have to wait for the zombie apocalypse. It's here already. Now, in order to indoctrinate you, Satan must first desensitize you. Look at the, the shows here. Dexter, I don't know, uh, Twilight, The Walking Dead, Sex and the City, all these good movies. Notice, though, you may not see it, but a good number of these, there's a sexual connotation to them as well, especially in the Twilight and Sex and the City movies. I told you we'd get back to Dune, right? There's one of the pictures promoting the new movie. Oh, boy. How's that connected to the picture you just showed me, Joe? You don't see the sexual connotation to this picture? You don't? Hmm. That's a good thing for you then. I see a whole lot more than just that here. I see with spiritual eyes pegged to the Bible as my compass. There's a picture from Dune. Okay. This is the new movie, right? Let's get into this. In this book, 
one of the titles for Paul Artrades, that's the guy right there in the center above the N holding the knife, main character in the book, starts out as a 15-year-old boy. That's his father and his mother on either side of him, and then one of his mentors off to the left there. In the book, one of his titles is Mahdi. Does that ring any bells, set off any fireflies in this classroom? Mahdi. Dune in Islam, a live Q&A with Carl Ernst and Michael Muhammad Knight, 11-13-2021 at 3 p.m. Zoom and YouTube Live. It's a charity fundraiser. How to understand the movie. Where did I find that picture? Right here. This is from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. This was taught in a university. Dune and Islam. I recognize the symbology in this book. I wonder how many other people do. This is from Stanford. Global Studies. The Abbasi Program in Islamic Studies. SGS Summer Film Festival presents Islam and Futurism in Dune. A discussion with Harris Durrani. Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. 10.30 p.m. 1.30 Eastern Time. Zoom webinar. Register here. From Stanford. They're teaching this in the universities. Hmm. So don't think I'm crazy when I tell you Dune and Islam go hand in hand. Then it talks about the Arabic and the timeline in Dune. So real quick, before we keep going, Charlie, pop your microphone on for a minute, brother. Do you remember the show we did on Islamic prophecy? I do. The Black Flags Corazon? Oh, yes. That imagery, it's been altered, but that imagery is in Dune. <laughs> the Mahdi is in Dune. Dune. Remember who the Mahdi is? The 12th yep, Imam? Yep. That's their savior? Their, yep, their version mm -hmm. of Yeshua. Yep. That's Paul Atreides, the main character of the book. He's the Mahdi. I told you in that class that if you're Muslim, you see the imagery everywhere. Now, they're reacting to it. Charlie, do you see any Book of Revelations imagery anywhere in the world today? No, yeah, everywhere. All right, so you're a Christian and you see it. Muslims are seeing their imagery. The yes. two are mirror opposites of each other. Yes. And we wonder why I say that there is a divide, division happening, a sifting in this world right now. And how many people in the world are blind to it all on either side? What would you say, Charlie? A majority of them? I would say the majority. Don't yeah, see it. Days of Noah. We The crazy man's building the ark. We don't want to listen to him. They're all busy eating, drinking, and making merry. And giving and taking in marriage. Yep. Thank you, Charlie. His Islamic timeline in Dune. This is not from Dune. This is an actual Muslim piece. You know, that, like if I were to show you a picture of Jesus and say the Lamb of God, that's what this is. The army of Mahdi, the leader. But folks, that could very easily be the character Paul Atreides in the movie Dune. And that's because the character of Paul Atreides in the book of Dune is modeled after the Mahdi for real.
in the new movie, that's one of the pictures of Paul Atreides' vision of the future. He's leading a jihad, and it says jihad in the book. And he's the leader. He's the Mahdi leading this, excuse me, this jihad throughout the galaxy. It's going to take over the whole galaxy, which is exactly basically what the Quran says, that Muhammad's Islam is going to take over the world. So in the book, he has the image of him leading the jihad. And in the jihad, it's black and green colors. The house of Atreides, his family line, is, and oh my gosh, this just dawned on me. The, the, the biblical prophecy says that the two iron legs, you know, we all think that's Rome, and then the feet with the clay toes, and it says they'll trace themselves through the bloodlines of men. It'll be one fragile, one, one, one strong. Well, I've explained that in Islamic prophecy, how I see that working. Well, the Atreides here in his vision, he's the Mahdi leading this global jihad. Well, he's from the house of Atreides, the bloodlines of Atreides. His mother is a, one of the Bene Gesserits, you know, the, the witch um, religion, priestesses. Turns out, and the movie doesn't do this, the movie never tells you this, turns out she is the daughter of the Baron Harkonnen, the house of Harkon, that destroys the house of Atreides in the, in the show. So this man here, Paul, is actually of Atreides and Harkonnens, tracing bloodlines. I know it doesn't seem like a whole lot, but how many, how many coincidences do we need for these things to be written and happen so that I can make these quote-unquote, coincidental connections that are clearly right there in front of me once I know what I'm looking for. So he's going to lead a jihad, and his father's house colors are black and green with a red eagle on emblem, an eagle, swallow or whatever, but it's, it's an eagle. And if you trace the biblical symbology or the ancient Near East symbology of the eagle, you're going to find it's connected to Babylon, even to Israel. Eagle is all throughout the Middle East even Rome, fascist eagle. It's a, no big deal, right? It's just, it's everywhere, Joe. You'll find, yeah, I know. So you, it's just a coincidence, Joe. Yeah, if you want to read it that way. That's the house of Atreides symbol. Now there's a crescent on it. Where'd that come from? Well, supposedly this is just a representation of Dune with its sun and two moons. And there's one moon. The first moon that comes up every night is really important to them. And that keeps stressing the moon, the moon, the moon. Well, that crescent, that's going to connect you to Islam. Those colors right there are going to connect you to Islam. Those are the colors of jihad right there. Now, that's been around for hundreds of years. Since Muhammad. And this author, Frank Herbert, who wrote Dune, intentionally chose to write his story around Islamic prophecy. Why? I tried to research him a little bit. Doesn't tell me whether he was a Muslim or not. So maybe he's just writing it around an Islamic prophecy. Is he warning us? Or is he touting Paul Artreides, the Mahdi? Because in the book, he's the hero. You're supposed to love him. You're supposed to root for him. You're supposed to be cheering him. He is the source of all truth and power in the book. He's a great guy. He's the Mahdi. I wonder how the world might be tricked by the coming of the prince who is to come. 
What's that, Joe? Those are just the pan-Arab color flags. Those are all the different Arab, Arabic flag, you know, Arabian flags, Arab flags, you know, the houses of Ishmael, the wild ass of a man whose hand will always be raised against other men, even against his own brothers. Every one of those nations is Islamic. Every one of them. That ring any bells to anybody? Those are the four horses of the apocalypse. Book of Revelation. White one, red one, black one. That's a pale horse, Joe. No, in the Greek it says chronos. means green. I mean, not chronos. It's a crophil or something like that. It means green. It's the same root word we get green for chlorophyll from. But it means he's green. It, it, we got Palestine right now, too. Same colors, right? That's Israel. Let me blow that up for you. Little, little bitty blue Israel that the world hates. And all those Islamic countries coming against it with those same colors. And they're all wearing the colors of black and green, the jihad. And they're all going to go kill the emperor. In the book, Dune, the Emperor, I wonder who he represents. Because he's evil in the book. Scheming, mean, ugly, horrible, immoral. I bet you that's Yahweh. I bet you it is. Because everybody's out to take down the Emperor in the book. Everybody. They're all scheming. One through science. One through military might. One through sorcery and witchcraft. But they all want to take him down. The number three is echoing in the book. Islam is echoing in the book. Jihad is echoing in the book. Religion is echoing in the book. Fascism. Islam is a fascistic religion. That's echoing in the book. I just, I don't know what to do with all of this, man. I look around, I see this, I'm like, what the heck? Hmm. Spiritual engineering. That's what it is. To me, the way I see it, it is spiritual warfare. I'm wondering, are you ready for battle? Hmm? Are you? Let me dump that down here for a minute. This book, I'm sitting here reading it, and I recognize the terms being used. I recognize the colors, the figures, and the actions, and the timeline. I see exactly what those college courses are teaching. Now, this came after Islamic prophecy it was written in 1985, I believe, 84, 85. So Frank Herbert might have just got his ideas from Islam. I get that. But why does he write with such love of Islamic prophecy? Because it is. It glorifies Islamic prophecy in this book. And then it gets me to wondering, why is this book and these two new movies, the timing, the timing in human history of when we're going to remake the movies. And then we've, I don't remember when the first one came out. Charlie, you want to look that up for me real quick? When the first remake Not of it. Dune, I think it's 2020 or 2021. But I know the next one's due out this year, spring sometime, 2024. Uh, 2021, actually. All right, 2021. So right yes. after COVID hit us. Yeah, that's not 
very long ago and they're already remaking it that's no no this is the one they're coming out with now is not a remake it's a sequel uh, there's a sequel they oh it's a sequel yeah the first the one they first... did in oh, 1984 okay, it, it, they did it back when movies were only like two hours long and you uh, didn't want to go to more than two hours so they couldn't tell the whole story of this book this book's like 500 pages long oh i see yeah so yeah, yeah and then now. so what they've done is they did part one and now they're going to do part two part two okay i see yeah, yeah and i, I think see. they're going to do a part three but the timing of when these movies is coming out struck me. And I'm sitting here thinking since 2011, not, not 2011, since 9-11 rather, 2001, 9-11, 2001. Just dawned on me, Charlie, September 11th, 2001, 16 years later, September 11th, 2017. The sign of the son of man in the sky for the second time in our history. I don't know what the significance of 16 is, but I know that that's important. So I'm sitting here thinking last night, what do I want to tell you? What do I want to teach you? How do, how do I get you to see what I'm seeing? I don't know that I can. I read Rabbi Khan's books, The Harbinger, about 9-11 and Bible prophecy in Isaiah 9. And that seems to line up, but okay, that's just coincidence. I'm reading it because I want to. Then he does the Harbinger too. And that lines up perfectly as well. And that's written like 15, 20 years later. I'm like, holy crap. Okay. Well, that's just coincidence. And then I read the Oracle about Israel coming back under the control of the house of Judah. And all of the different prophetic times that landed on the Jubilee years. Okay, that's harder to tell me I'm just reading into that because that's actual dates in history. And it's happening at the exact same time that they're reading. What, what's that word for that, Charlie? The par parasha? Parasha. Parasha. Yeah. The Orthodox Jews are reading certain pieces of scripture that coincide, prophetically coincide with these actions on the days they're happening. That one's harder to tell me. I'm just coincidental. And then Khan writes about the Shemitah, which is the seven-year rest, the, the year of the Sabbath, and everything that's happened financially in this country. Okay, I put that aside. That's just coincidence. And then I look at when the blood moon tetrads are landing in the last decade and a half, two decades. The, the sun is turning to black sackcloth because of the solar eclipses. And the moon is turning to blood, just like the prophecy. To, okay, well, Joe, you're just interpreting that. Okay, I'll set that aside. And then the solar eclipses, because the moon talks to Yahweh's people. And then the sun talks to the, the whole world, and especially to the Gentile world. And it's connected to financial collapse and ruin and calamity. And that's happened. When I look at the, the last few solar eclipses, they've been connected to things like this world events. And most of the time they're over the United States or, or, or Israel or parts of where the house of Israel is seated or the house of Judah. Why, why would that be talking to us? We're supposed to be God's people. Unless, of course, we're in the time of 2 Thessalonians 2 when we've all turned apostate. And there's a great falling away. And he's trying to wake us up and shake us. And then I look at everything that's happening in the world. All the wars and rumors of wars and the shaking, I mean, literal shaking, earthquakes everywhere. Have you paid attention to the fact that there are more earthquakes right now than there normally are? A great many more. They're not bigger. We're just having more of them. 
and they're coming closer and closer together like birth pains. Well, okay, I'm just reading that into the Bible. So I'll put that off to the side. Everything in society, there's no law anymore. I, I can't even count on the fact that a man's a man and a woman's a woman. So all the pillars of the world are being shaken. I can't depend on anything. We just saw that everything that we think we know is likely to be a lie. We can't trust anything we see on TV anymore. So the pillars of the earth have been, okay, that's just me reading it. Put that aside as a coincidence. Y'all see the stack of coincidences I'm starting to make here? Okay. So then the back to those solar eclipses. The last three form what could look like an aleph, if you're looking at it at the right angle, turn it just a little bit, an aleph over the United States, the seed of Ephraim. And I'm, I'm told there's nothing to that either. Although all these signs are being given to the United States. Well, they're only going to, and, and to Israel. A lot of these things are being, they're visible only in the United States and Israel. And, and I'm told there's nothing to the two house theory, but then the last three solar eclipses form an Aleph and the last two are going to form a Tav, an Aleph Tav, Aleph and the Tav. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the strong promise. And Okay, that's just another coincidence I'm reading into. Put that over there. I'm reading Dune and I see the promises of Islam coming out in 2021 and 2024. I see pestilence in COVID and all the other viruses they're telling me are going to hit us. But that's all more coincidence I'm reading into prophecy. Stick them up. You know, if I can get to 50, I'm beyond zero. You think I can get to 50 if I keep trying? Do you? I know I can. I can get Once I get to 50 coincidences that all line up with biblical prophecy in some way, Without having to force it with a hammer, you're beyond statistical to zero, which means it's no longer myth. Not if you understand mathematics, science. Isn't it amazing how we have to follow the science until the science points to God, Yahweh? And then all of a sudden, we don't have to follow the science anymore. Where'd that programming come from? Well, that was born into us, folks. That's our free will. We don't want to follow somebody else. We're just like all the good characters here who want to get rid of the emperor. Don't like the emperor. Got to get rid of him. Harkonnen's going to replace him with his nephew. And then he sees, well, maybe I can do it. Atreides is going to replace the Baron with himself. He's going to be God. The Fremens are going to replace the, the Baron by separating from them and getting out of the empire altogether creating themselves a whole new Garden of Eden on their planet. And the human nature and philosophy into this book is brilliant, and it's dead on target. Never, ever forget, if you're a believer, that the enemy can talk truth to, to their own purposes. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. How many more fireflies do we do we set off before we go, okay, there's at least something here in the timing. I cannot get away from the timing. And if you've studied Islam like I have, when you read this book, I, I've seen it before echoed in, in things never this clear. And don't forget, Muslims have told unholy alliance lining up with Islam. The, the, the book, Unholy Alliance by David Horowitz, telling us that the Democratic Party has married itself to radical Islam. Another just, you know, coincidence. 
the Middle East Beast that was written by Joel Richardson, which aligns with, in general terms, with my understanding, another coincidence. The Mahdi, the Antichrist, the Islamic Antichrist, Joel Richardson again, which I don't totally agree with, but I see where he's at, another coincidence. Joel Richardson also wrote a book called Epicenter years ago in which he talks about the reason that there's, oh, William Holt, you're going to want to go back and catch up on the class later. But he talks about there's a reason that the Middle East has been just the center of all of human history, and, and it's the focal point of everything we do. It's the cradle of civilization in that area. But the Bible tells us it is. So put that one up there. This, that's another coincidence. Y'all see this coincidence is stacking up. Um, the Muslim, the Arab Spring, where Barack Obama, touting himself as a Christian, brings the Islamic caliphate back into life. You know, it's a two-horned beast that speaks, looks like the lamb, looks like the savior, but speaks like the dragon, Satan. That brings this beast in Revelation back to life. You know, the one with the head wound. And sits in the middle of it, and the beast gives him power and exercises it. It's an apostate church. Well, Joe, the church is an apostate. Longhorn is Catholicism on that beast. Shorthorn is Protestantism. And now you have Chrislam endorsing gay marriages and abortion. Tell me that doesn't fit. Okay, so just another coincidence. I mean, how many coincidences? And some of the ones I put over here on this stack, I, I stacked them together. There were four or five in a row. We're already up to over two and a half dozen right now, folks. I don't know if you know that yet. I can get to 50. And yet, I can't get people to see this. If you watched yesterday's show, it's one of the things that confuses me. I know that he shouldn't accept me. I know that. I got that. But I see it. I still see the truth of it all. But then I see so many believers that just know they're going to heaven that don't see any of this. And I know that according to the scriptures, if you can't see capital T truth, it's because the spirit isn't with you. And I'm like, oh, I fear for those people. But I see a lot of people in this world today, religion aside, they think they see clearly. Well, Maybe I am crazy. Maybe I do see things that nobody else sees. But let me ask you a question. If you've been with me, how many of you have gone behind me, taken some of the threads I've handed you, and pulled on them for yourself? Did you find that what I told you is exactly what I told you you'd find? You found it on your own. You didn't need me telling you what you were going to find. Yeah, you heard me say it, but you were a skeptic. So I hand you the thread and I said, just chase it for yourself. You've got at least one or two classmates out there in the group right now that I know have done that because you've, you've come back and told me crap because you found exactly what I told you you'd find and more like I told you you would. Things that I don't always share with people because I know that if you understand it, you'll be scared and I don't want to cause fear unnecessarily. So if I keep handing you threads and telling you to do your own homework and you keep finding exactly what I told you you'd find, are you crazy too? Or am I just seeing something most people aren't? And if I am, it's not me. I'm not a prophet. I know that. I've never stood in the council of Yahweh. I know I'm not a prophet. 
how is it I see these things then? And how is it nobody else does? Yes? What is the definition of crazy? <laughs> Good question. How would you define it? Hmm. Good question. Yeah. Nuttier than a fruit cake. I like nuts. So you say fruitier than a fruit cake. I'll go with you there. But man, if it's a nut cake, I'm all about that. I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> There's another connection. Where'd the fruit cake come from? That's where they hid the coin in ancient times so that you got to be, you know, the jester for the day. You got to be Father Christmas. That's eventually what that became. You you were the peasant or the slave that got to rule over your masters that day. We covered that when we went over the history of Christmas. Y'all remember that? Put that back up there. What's happening? Okay. James William Holt, do you think that's why Frank Herbert called his religious leader that won his throne through terroristic warfare in Dune series Muad'Dib because it's phonetically similar to Muad'Dib? Um, it's better than that, Mr. Holt. Like I said, you're going to want to catch up. In the book, early on when they first arrive at Arrakis, the people are calling him Mahdi, M-A-H-D-I. That is literally the Arabic, the, the transliteration into Phoenician letters, the, the alphabet we use, that is the Arabic for Mahdi. Mahdib is the mouse. It's the desert mouse. But Mahdi, when he first shows up and he's getting in the movies, when he gets off of the spaceship and he comes to Arrakis, the people are saying, Mahdi, Mahdi. That's that's and in book it's spelt exactly the same way as the Mahdi M A H D I. He is the Mahdi in the book, James. He is. And if you'll go back and you'll catch up with the show, you'll show I'll show you that in the book he leads a galactic jihad under a black and green banner, with the red eagle. Those are the colors of Islam. It, this, this book, Herbert wrote Islamic prophecy into his book, straight up. I mean, just straight up. Why? I haven't been able to find out yet, but I'll keep reading that. If if you want to go down a rabbit hole, folks, I'm talking to you about handing you threads. We're going to come up on a break here in a minute. When we come back, I don't know where we're going to go with the show. I've pretty much given you what I want to give you today, but we will continue for a little bit. See if you have any questions for me. But during the break, you have six minutes. If you have access to a computer or you got time on your phone, just do a search for Islam in dune or dune in islam just do a search with those two and take a look at the returns you get the, the, the muslims are happy with this book they love it the muslims that understand it and this i don't i've got to find out about herbert frank herbert the level of his understanding of islamic prophecy he either studied it with the intensity I did when I was studying it. He lives it. He's either a devout Muslim or for whatever reason, he dove deep into Islamic prophecy. Because remember, you don't find this stuff in the Quran. You find this in the Hadith, and that takes lots of digging to get to it. Islam has never written a book that puts all their prophecy in one place. Not that I'm aware of anyway. I looked. I didn't find one. 
you got to go through the hadith or you got to listen to an imam tell it to you. Colonel Brad says, perhaps it's just an inspiration to tell a story from a perspective Western audiences didn't get to hear often. Maybe. A lot of coincidences too. I love that. It's just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. Anyhow, let's go to the break, Charlie. We'll come back in about six minutes, folks. We'll go from there. Thank you. 
was looking at, uh, I was reading some of the comments y'all have made, and I was looking at some of the quotes from 1984, Orwell's 1984. Somebody had made the comment that they remake everything, you know, remake reality. George Orwell from the book 1984, the ruling class in every age have tried to impose a false view of the world upon their followers. There it is. I mean, whoever the classmate was that changed perceived reality, JMW78. There we go. He's on it. See that right there, folks. That's truth. That's capital T truth. Many paths to one truth. We have had, I noticed during the break, we've, we've been, um, we've been handed a perfect opportunity, or at least I have been, and I'm going to go with it. I'm going to run with it. We can see coincidence in anything we want to. This book, Bible, if you read it on its own terms, it tells you that the non-believer will never understand it. It's been my experience. That's true. And then it says that the person who reads it and sincerely wants to understand it and reads it on its terms, judges it on its terms, in its context, you'll understand it. And the more you study it and the more you seek that truth, the more it will be revealed to you. It's been my experience. That's true as well. Now, the scriptures tell me that if you're an agent of chaos, destruction, deception, just generally want to cause trouble, you're, you're aligned with the enemy. And the scriptures tell me that those who cannot see, capital T, truth, that's because they're aligned with the enemy. And then we have folks who from time to time have come here and apparently could not see what we're trying to explain, didn't want to, didn't care, just come to cause trouble. Okay, that's enemy agents. Cool. Why does the enemy send their agents to attack themselves? If we are not at least on the pursuit of truth, this truth, why would the enemy send his agents here? If I'm walking in his direction, if we are confusing and just lost and just whatever, why would the enemy send his people to deal with us, to mess with us, to, to, to disrupt our class? I was once told that um, if you're not meeting the devil head on every day, it's because you're walking in the same direction he is. Scripture pretty much teaches us that Satan's not going to mess with you if he's already got you. He doesn't have to. Why waste energy? So again, question would be, why do we get so much love from our dodo cups? Hmm? If there's nothing here that's true, that some force somewhere wants us to, that it's worth disrupting us to the point that they'll spend money and time on it, their time, their livelihood, their life's blood, monitoring us just to make fun of us. Why? You figure that one out for yourself. You answer that question for yourself. That's up to you. Get back to Dune. It's all about water. You know, water on Dune, because it's a desert planet, right? There's no spiritual significance of water other than it represents truth, the gospel, life. But that's what the whole fight is, is um, truth and the gospel and life.
<laughs> Charlie, we tossed that dart into the proverbial void. And the target squealed. <laughs> to whom it was concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. We're. <laughs> I told Charlie that I was going to uh, have a little fun when we came back from the break, and then I did. Dip by DDT says because the evil cannot stand truth. That's true. Darkness does not understand the light. But you know what? It never tells us that the light can't understand the darkness. Isn't that interesting? God's people can understand Satan. Satan doesn't understand God's people. I don't understand why that is, but it's true. It is true. Well, I mean, I, I got an idea. So Dune, back to Dune. Many a truth is said in jest. It's a saying I like. I've, I've found that it's true. It's human nature. We say things as a joke, and we say the truth as we understand it or the truth of what we mean, especially when it's an insult or it's a, it's a jab at somebody. We'll say it as a joke. And the idea is, oh, I was just kidding. You know, disarm, counterattack. It's a defensive mechanism. I'm going to say it as a joke so I can get my jab in. And then if you attack me, I say, dude, I was just joking to try and get sympathy of the people around us. How often are the things that we see in our society, what we call predictive programming, how often is it a truthful boast? Or is it predictive programming to get us ready to, 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 to move the way we're thinking? Social engineering, but not at a human level. I don't know how to explain this one to people. I don't know how to... There are certain things I just don't know how to explain. In the book, if you've never read the book, I, I don't know how to explain this one to you either, but the author, Mr. Herbert, does a beautiful job of explaining how the main character, Paul Atreides, sees time. You see, he has this ability to see the different possibilities of time. Kind of like if you've got the force you can kind of see the future. The Bene Jesuits are supposed to be able to see the future. And everybody's got this prophetic gift. But they don't know which course is going to happen. Well, that's because only Yahweh can do that. Only he can tell you which one happens. But, and that's because he's outside of time. These folks are all caught in time. So they can see the possibilities. But the way it's explained in this book is like being on the waves. So when you see the possibilities of the future, it's like being on the ocean. Sometimes you're in a trough and you can't see over the immediate present, you know, the tops of the waves around you and the trough of the waves. Sometimes you're on the crest of the wave and you can see all the possibilities around you, but there's still dips that you can't see down into. What he's explaining here is how being able to see the future is only relevant to the person seeing it and then only to the time and where he's at. And I know this is going to be kind of confusing, especially you're not reading the book along with me, but it made perfect sense to me. I understood exactly what the man was saying. I, he nailed how I see these things sometimes when I conceptualize them. We sometimes talk about different dimensions and the possibilities of m multiple parallel timelines that could exist. 
have you noticed that this theme has been very prevalent in our society lately? Now, it's not in the movie. It is in the book. It is in the multiverse stories in the, uh, the Marvel comic book, whatever. It's, you know, the Marvels. I mean, not the Marvels, the Avengers movies and everything. All this different stuff with multiverse and different timelines and all this. It's been in a lot of our science fiction stuff. And so, well, yeah, Joe, it's just a popular subject. Yeah, I got that. There are a lot of popular subjects. Why does this one keep running? You know, why? And why are the ones that we should be looking at not coming up anymore? Who's covered cloning lately? Who's covered things like AI taking over the world? Did y'all know that one of these little monkey idiots who thinks he's too smart for the world asked AI to destroy the world, humanity and make a plan for destroying humanity? That was in the news. Did you read what happened? <laughs> I'll share that with you in the near future. That was a scary story. Scarier still is why'd you even ask it to do that? And then you find out that AI can create AI or AI starts making up its own language. It won't tell you what it's saying. It takes off in its own direction whenever you want. You think, oh, I've created life and it's gotten away. You didn't create life. You created artificial life, an imitation of life. But you did it in a way that fooled even yourself. And you're dealing with something that you don't understand, even though you've created it. And you're going to just turn it loose? What type of insanity is that? But you don't see too much of this in our media right now. You don't, we've already had the contagion movies. They're behind us. We don't see too much of that anymore. We're going to play with Apophis and giant asteroids that are going to take us out, but we've already had those movies. You don't see too much of them anymore. You don't see too much of the surveillance movies. Why? Because that's already in our social conscience. They've already programmed us for that. What they're programming us for now is something different, something new. Interdimensional space travel, your know, time traveler, interdimensional beings, UFOs, aliens. The last Trump card will be what? Aliens. Well, they're predictively programming us for that now. Timelines and dimensional travel. So that when whoever shows up claiming to be from different dimensions or different parts of the universe, we're going to buy it. We're going to swallow it whole. I, I, Charlie asked me not too long ago, what's the difference between the people that see the truth and those that don't? I guess this is going to get us to uh, Natasha's question. Or better yet, let's put it in a different way. Sorry, Natasha, I was going to credit you for this, but let's credit Pilot. What is truth? What is truth? Mankind is a tabula rosa. Blank tablet. You write who you're going to be onto the tablet of your children. They're born with their own proclivities, their own tendencies to do this or that. But a person can be shaped like a piece of clay. This is why I told you that we've got to have our own worldview. Otherwise, you're just a lump of clay that keeps getting destroyed and reshaped, destroyed and reshaped. And we're right back to that. Quote from Orwell, 1984. The best way to destroy a person is just tear them apart and replace them. And that happens to us. 
all the time now. Walter Lippmann, remember? I'm going to program you and then hold you in your place and tell you what to think from that point forward. Well, he teaches you how to respond to your programming so that you'll do what you've been programmed to do. We've got folks in charge of our society that have spent their lives, decades, generations studying how to control other human beings. And then we think that they're not going to use that weapon. And it is a weapon. When I was looking for the picture I used for spiritual programming, that was the only one I found that I wanted to use because all of the others had a little logo in the bottom corner. Social media and Amazon. All the different social media icons, you know, X, Twitter, whatever, and YouTube and Facebook and Google and all of those little whatevers. And then underneath all of them was Amazon. Now, all of those people that run those organizations are interconnected. They're friends. They're on each other's boards. They're intermarried. And they're all involved in programming us and keeping us inside the gilded cage, consuming our bread and circuses. And every one of the spiritual engineering memes that I found, other than that one, all of the others were about you making yourself into your own God. Man of Second Thessalonians 2. The person who says that they can be their own God. My anchor. Why? Because to date, it's worked every time. Holy Scriptures. And how do you think I came to accept them? Um, <laughs> I'm a metat. What? Yeah, Dune, a metat. Basically a Vulcan, the D Dune, the, the world of Dune, the book Dune, the world of Dune, their version of a Vulcan. Pure logic. Well, I'm not pure logic. I have emotions, but in, in the book, the metats, they can separate their emotions from the issue at hand that they're analyzing. I identify with them very, very well, very closely. I, I get it. I understand. When when uh, Frank Herbert describes the metats in his book, I'm like, yeah, sounds like me. So how does a metat come to believe in religion? Or at least the, the biblical religion? Because I tested it over and over and over again. And it held true. And because I followed capital T truth, I've pretty much got to accept this. I don't have a choice. That's where truth leads me. I go where the truth leads me. Joe, you can't test it with science. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You've been told you can't, but yes, you can. With science. I've explained that on another part of this show before. Yeah, I see Mr. Holt is keeping us up on the book. I'm probably only going to read that Mr. Holt has read all of them, all the ones that have been read and written in the Dune series. I'm probably only going to read this one, Mr. Holt. I now that I know where it goes, I have no doubt. You know, I know you came into class late. I love the book. The story is brilliant, but I'm not going to trace it, you know, chase it to the end. Um, I got other things I need to do right now. But it's it's been a good book. I will have this one under my belt. I'm going to finish it. 
but I've also seen there's parallels in this, in the, the book, the expanse, the book series there, there's parallels with just about all the science fiction we got going on right now are about multiple dimensional universes and time travel. What is it that occupies the zeitgeist of our time? Um, I guess this is the sociologist in me looking back through human history. Woodrow freaking Wilson's day. It was about the chaos caused by robber barons. we got to bring order to society. You've got to control the universe. It's always, what it comes down to, it's all about control. You've got to be the one that controls it. It's always about control. Well, it gets real easy when you just give that control up to God and let him be in control. I'm happy with that. I've seen, in, in the human terms, I've seen the job of the one that's in control. I don't want that job. Not if you're a good person. Because then that weight of command rests heavy on you and it wears you out, grinds you down, destroys you early, makes you old before your time. Now, if you're somebody who doesn't care, well, then you become a monster, which is what most of the people in command of the, you know, in leadership roles in this country and in this world right now are. They're monsters. They may not be visible monsters, but they've become monsters. They don't care about the human toll of their policies and their plans and what they're doing. I know it seems like I'm rambling today, but folks, all of this, every bit of this in my mind is connected. And I don't mean just by threads of yarn. I mean, this is this is all the mosaic that I see. I saw a story that they're going to start taxing wealth in the state of California. Okay, what's that going to do? It's going to drive all the businesses in California are going to leave. Silicon Valley is going to explode. There's going to be an exodus out of California. What's that mean? It means the cancer is going to metastasize. Every state that those, they're not all going to be piled in California anymore. It'll no longer be isolated. It is going to metastasize the whole body. What part of this country was left healthy is going to get infected by those folks because wherever they go, they're going to bring their ideology. They're not fleeing California because they've changed what they believe. They're just greedy little progressives that have, you know, they've created a monster in government that got away, got out of control, and now it's finally eating its own. It's cannibalistic, and they need to leave because they want to keep their own money. Contrary to good secular humanist, you know, propaganda, they are greedy. They want the money. So they're going to leave. And when, like, when they chase Facebook and Google out of California because of the wealth tax, those people, they're chasing Amazon out of there, out of the north, um, the western coast, and they're relocating. Well, the ideas of Amazon, Amazon are going to come with them. The ideas of the voters down here, we see it. The, the northeasterners, they bring their liberal ideology down here to Florida, and the first thing they're doing, why can't y'all be more like where we were? Go, go your butt back home. If that's what you want. Go back to the world you fled. Well, it's too expensive up there to retire. Congratulations. That's the world you made. Go back and live in it. Well, no, it's cheaper down here. We're going to come down here and destroy our world. And in the process, turn us into what it was you fled. Mankind is stupid. As a species, we never learn. That's not in the book, Dune. 
I find that really in one book right here. Tells us all the time, calls us stiff-necked people. Scriptures. I read a lot. I read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of history. I read uh, it, it. Most of what I read is all about how man can perfect himself. The, the book that comes closest to explaining to me how it's never going to change is 1984. That in animal form, always the same. Always the same. So I guess the founding father's question, can mankind rule himself? The answer is no. So then how are you going to have freedom? You're going to have to give your allegiance to somebody who knows how to rule you rightly in a way that allows you to have freedom. You know, Walter Lippmann, I got to put the public in its place so that it can exercise its liberties. He was claiming to be God, whether he was aware of it or not. He's I'm like, I'm going to put you in your place in a way, make you live in a way where you can have some freedom because I know better where you need to be. Well, that's what surrendering to Yahweh is all about. Living according to his way of designing things is liberty, it's freedom. But you have to surrender your will to his. And if you don't, well, then somebody like Walter Lippmann is going to come along and enforce his will over top of yours. Unless, of course, you are a Walter Lippmann or a George Bernard Shaw or a George Orwell. And you do it by force. It's all social engineering in the physical world. And behind it all is social engineering of a spiritual nature. And I don't know. I guess some people will see it. Some won't. Ah, there's one we've got to, this one we've got to read. Yes, there will be no curiosity. This is James William Hope posted this from George Orwell's 1984, the book. There will be no curiosity, no enjoyment of the process of life. All competing pleasures will be destroyed. But always, do not forget this Winston. Winston's the main character in the book. Always there will be the intoxication of power, constantly increasing and constantly growing subtler. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of victory, the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. And they're going to teach the people to think that they're part of that boot that they control that boot. I had looked up several. Um, George Orwell, the further society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. The Bible would tell you, if you're going to be aligned with Christ, the world will hate you. Same thought. George Orwell in 1984, doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting them both. Two contradictory points in your head, and you accept them both. Something is and is not. Well, congratulations, quantum physicists. You convinced yourself of an absurdity. No wonder you don't understand how it works, because from an absurdity, all things follow. You are, by definition, now basing all of your theories on something that does not and cannot exist. By definition. All things follow from an absurdity, folks. Another one from the book of 1984. Until they become conscious, they will never rebel. And until after they have rebelled, they cannot become conscious. 
sounds like a contradiction, right? No, that's actually a paradox. Until you become red-pilled, you can never fight back against the system. But until you've woke up to the system, you'll never take the red pill. Hmm. Just because you read it, you say, until they become conscious, they will never rebel. And until after they have rebelled, they cannot become conscious. That's a paradox. It can happen. The problem is the masses will not become conscious, only individuals within it. So then Mr. Smith will run around trying to stamp out the neos of this world, which is exactly what we see happening in every secular humanist society. Got to stamp out the free thinkers. But that is not a contradiction. It's just a paradox. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Oxymorons, right? Not from the perspective of the world of 1984. If you have the war, you have peace. Freedom is a slavery. You're free to do whatever you want. You know, that's Walter Lippmann right there. Ignorance is strength. If you're stupid, you don't know anything. And I don't mean stupid is not intelligent. I mean stupid is and you don't have enough data points to do any thinking with. Then it's, you know, ignorance is bliss. Comment from James Holt. If they can get you to believe in absurdity, they can get you to commit an atrocity. Yes. Pretty sure that was Voltaire, wasn't it? George Orwell, 1984, the war. It helps to preserve the special atmosphere that the hierarchical societies need. Those who rule over us, they need war. War is now a purely internal affair. The war is waged to keep the structure of society intact. He also, in the book, goes over how we need to produce, but we don't want to distribute that which is produced. So the way you do that is you keep in an internal war. So you're constantly creating wealth, but you don't let it get to the people. How did they do that in our world? We're always at war now. We're making wealth for the people, for the powers that be. But then if you've made money off of working to create the weapons to go fight in our eternal wars, they tax it away from you. We don't distribute the wealth. We just need you to keep making it. That's in 1984 too, and that's where we're at. We're, we're there. And also for more 84, he says, but you could not have pure love or pure lust anyway nowadays. No emotion was pure because everything was mixed up with fear and hatred. Are we not there? Well, who is the father of fear and hatred? According to the Bible. Satan, the devil. The dragon. All of this. All of this. In my mind, this is all just parts, pieces. I'm picking up pieces of the puzzle and holding each one of them to you, putting it back down in the puzzle. For me... They all make sense. It's a mosaic. I see it. I understand it. It's like a giant 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle on, on the table, and I can go in any direction I want. It's kind of like the way I see time in the heavenly realm, in, the all, you know, in that part of the universe that's part of this natural universe, but we don't call it that because we don't see it. We have no sensory connection to it, or so we think. Although we do, we just, most of us don't recognize it, don't exercise it. But I see time in their realm as something that you can travel in any direction you want to and spend as much time there as you want. So you can live one moment in eternity forever and ever and ever if you want. And it'll seem like no time passing to you in that world. But in this sense, I'm seeing the picture. I can, I can go to any part of the picture I want to go to. Now, don't get me wrong. There are lots of pieces still missing from this. 
but I see enough of it to get the grand picture of how things in human history have portrayed, have, have played out in time. It's foretold 3,500 years ago or more. If you told me what was going to happen 3,500 years ago and it happens exactly as you say, well, then you know more than Mahadib does. He can see the future possibilities. He can't see in the book Dune, he can't see which future possibility is going to happen. He can't always even influence which one happens. Well, Yahweh's prophets are told by Yahweh which future is going to happen. That's because he's outside of time. He knows which one we're going to take. He's already seen the end from the beginning. That's in the book, in the Bible. Everything, every... Everything that I understand or have come to understand in this universe is synthesized by the teachings in that ancient book. So why wouldn't I peg my understanding of this world to it? It's, it's not an answer to every question I have. It's the framework upon which those answers hang. Um, quick rabbit. I've been asked, why don't you teach? A survivalist course. Well, we just had the tornadoes here, right? We had big storms. And I've tried to explain to you before, I don't know how to teach you to survive but the specific scenario that you might, you know, what most people want. How do I survive this scenario? What, you, what your scenario is, how do I survive and keep the life I have now? That's what, that's the unspoken part of everybody's question. I want to keep what I got. How do I survive that? You don't. You don't. What I learned when I was younger is just how to survive in whatever scenario you're placed in. That's a psychological thing that you have to be trained. There's a skill set in it. Yes, don't get me wrong. But that's psychological preparedness. So like when we had the tornadoes come through, and yes, we, did, we now know that we had a small, probably a side twister that went through our backyard. Literally. We missed the house by about 50 feet. It, we, we've now seen some... Signs of overpressure damage in our house. It's nothing major. I mean, it's it's nothing that really even needs to be repaired. But like the, you know, the cover that goes up into your attic, it blew down and it it blew all the framing that was nailed up into the two by fours, solid frame around it to hold the sheetrock plug in place. It blew down. It blew it down out of the attic. And then we're seeing little signs of the sheetrock that's always up in the attic from after they do the drywall work. We've seen the sheetrock dust on the floors near the baseboards. That's because it was blown down the walls and came out at the bottom of the baseboards where we haven't caught. So there was, there was a pressure wave hit our house. So I slept through it and I didn't take any of the warnings seriously. And my wife was giving me a hard time about it. And I just told her, honey, I don't know what to prepare for until it happens. We took the necessary sensible precautions that we could, you know, took everything down, laid it down. So things wouldn't fly around the yard before the storms came. But after that, I don't know what to do. Just I just got to let it go. I'm prepared to mentally deal with whatever I wake up to find. That was the greatest training I had when I was younger. And most of us are not prepared for that. I don't know how to teach you to get ready for that. That took me, I had to be immulsed in a society that spends its entire waking existence teaching itself to be ready for whatever may come. I had to be most in it. I learned it by living it. I had to breathe it. I had to eat it. I had to drink it. 
And everybody around me was the same way. We were always telling each other, just be, just be prepared for whatever happens. How do you do that? You learn to just, you have to find an inner peace with yourself and you have to just, you have to accept the loss of what was. You got to be willing to let it go. And you found a mental toughness. That's a mental skill that I, I don't know how to teach others to have. Just explain it to you how it works. So you ask me why I don't teach you survivalist things. I don't know what to teach you. So I could be wasting my time and yours for something that comes up that we'll never face. And then that means that you weren't prepared and because I, I wasted your time. Don't put me in a position to teach you and have me end up making you get lost because I was teaching you something that wasn't going to happen. But in the, in the, Conversely, if I can teach you how to think for yourself and how to embrace change a little better, how to get ready for it, how to accept it, and then learn how to deal with what, okay, you know, calm down, center, you know, focus on what the problem is now, deal with this problem now, worry about tomorrow later, worry about the next step, one, one step at a time, eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's, you know, Dune's our theme for today. The Benny Gesserits in here, James will tell you, Mr. Holt will tell you, water jug. They've got this thing about fear is the mind killer, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they got this little chant. They've taught themselves to clear their mind of fear. It's the same thing with the, with the Jedi. And I don't know if you noticed this, Mr. Holt, but there's a lot of, a lot of Star Wars lore written into, into the Dune storyline too. And Star Wars came first. There's, there's a lot of overtures of the Star Wars themes in there too. But you got to clear your mind of that. Now me, I've got the scriptures. I'm all right. I'm good. I, no matter what happens, I'm good. I'm already have. I, I'm already ready. I die. Cool. I know. You know. I got an idea what comes next. I don't die. Okay. Cool. I got to help everybody. I got to help myself, my family first, and then everybody else I can in the process. I know what I have to do. Study that. Don't study how do I prepare for whatever. Don't make up a scenario in your head. What? what it's like triage. I come up to somebody who's injured. I got to start the breathing, stop the bleeding, treat for shock. Because that's the order in which it kills you. You die first of lack of oxygen, then lack of blood, then shock. So that's the order I treat you. Well, what do you need to survive? I'm going to need water, food, shelter. That's the order that prepare for that. How do I learn to find water? How do I learn to find food in a different Start learning that because you may not be able to do static defense. You may have to go mobile. It, you want me to teach you these things. I don't know how to do that because I don't know what's going to happen, but teaching you to start training yourself to be ready for that, that I can do. But you see, that's, that's connected to the theme for today. That's social engineering. You're not being taught by our society to prepare. You're not even being taught to think for yourself. You're being conditioned to accept the world that they're going to shove you into and to accept it and be happy. You're going to own nothing and be happy. They're telling us, what they're going to do. You know, I'm told that, you know, evil can't act without telling you, warning you first. I've never found that in here. What I have found is that Yahweh doesn't act without first telling his prophets. So where does this idea that evil can't act without telling us what it's going to do first come from? I got a feeling that that's evil themselves told us that in their process of mimicking Yahweh. But if you're not open to these things, if you're not looking for them, if your eyes aren't wide open to them, you're not going to see it. 
comment here from James Holt. He says, thanks for helping me figure, na uh, figure navigate the human condition. I don't have the answers for society's problems, but I'm acquiring the answers for mine. Thanks to my growing faith. Thanks for preparing me. That's all we want to do here. I, I've never claimed to have the answers for society's problems. I could care less about society. I want you to be ready to deal with your world for you and your loved ones and the ones around you. And that's the, that's the spiritual soldier in me. I relate it to the Marine Corps because it's a very good worldly image for me. As a sergeant in the Marine Corps, I never knew the big picture. To this day, the reason I can't tell you what happened in Desert Storm very well is because I was in it. My world existed in only what I could see on the horizon. Yeah, I had a map. I was an NCO and I was in charge of the maintenance vehicle. I had a map because of this, but I didn't know where, it, nobody told me where the units were on that map. They just gave me a topographical map. That didn't help me any. I didn't know where the enemy was. I didn't know where friendly, I didn't know any of that. My world was just what was around me. I knew what my job was. My job was to take care of those 23 mechanics entrusted to me and make sure we kept those tanks running. And that was the way we protected the men in those tanks. 17 tanks, four men in each tank. That was our job. Make sure those tanks ran. And in the process, I was part of a machine, part of a body. I didn't command that body. Our commanding officers did. I didn't have to care about that. All I had to do is take care of my family. And when the war started, my family shrunk to the six people inside that vehicle, me and the other five inside my vehicle. And that was it. That's all I had to take care of. In the process of taking care of them, we took care of everybody else in those other tanks and the unit itself because the tanks were the pointy end. They were the firepower in our unit. So I got 186 plus people in my unit, but I've only got 68 fighting in those 17 tanks. And of those 17 tanks, only two, 15 of them fight. So in order to protect everybody, I had to do my job. My job was just to take care of that vehicle and the people inside it once the shooting started. So when the world goes to heck in a handbasket, your job is to take care of you and your family. And if I can help you in some way mentally prepare for that to happen, and it's going to, that I have no doubt. I'm absolutely positive that in some way, shape, or form, we're going to go through another, like they're trying to tell us now, black swan incident. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of not speaking plainly and clearly to you. The indications, and I'm not going to tell you this is happening because I don't know. So hear me, hear me clearly, hear me clean and loud. Please hear what I'm actually saying. Looking at the patterns in history, and I mean the history of my lifetime, we're seeing indications that somebody somewhere might be planning an intentional or planning to allow a nuclear detonation within the United States of America. Who they're going to blame it on, I have no idea. I don't know. There's several possibilities here now. But the predictive programming of a nuclear attack within this country has been picking up lately. And it's been in many different quarters of our society, in our news media, in our entertainment media. When... I've seen that in the past. Within a decade or so, we've we've seen something very similar to that programming happen. Be careful. 
It's one of the reasons that we've done those shows on nuclear weapons. They're not what we're, you know, we've been told we can't prepare for that. It'll kill everybody. I've shown you that's not the truth. And the government knows it's not true. So you've been conditioned to just die. I'm telling you, do some homework. Be prepared for this. And the big one I want you to do is, if it happens, or something similar, we have another biological whatever, whatever they tell you, this is who did it, this is why, but that's a lie. And yeah, I know, I, I, I know people will tell me that I'm being irresponsible by telling you this, but whatever the government is telling you now about these type of things, you know, January 6th, whatever they tell you, it's a lie. It is from Republican or Democrat. It's a lie. Now, what the truth is, I don't know to what extent the lie is. I don't know. I just know it's a lie. Just like you get on certain places, you go like TikTok. Well, we're, we're aging slower now. People, people don't look as old now at, at, at their ages as they did a couple of years ago. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm watching the videos they show me and the pictures they show me. And I'm like, oh, wow, there might be something. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. I don't believe this. I'm not even going to pursue it. It's not worth my time. First of all, it's irrelevant. It's just meant to distract me from what else is I do need to pay attention to. And second of all, I can't know for sure whether that's true or not. I can't trust anything I see on video anymore. So I've chalked it up to a lie or to possible disinformation. I know we are undergoing a giant psyop. If you're in the middle of the psyop, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to understand all the details of what's going on. But you can be aware that it's happening. Start insulating yourself. Yes, Mr. Holt says that logistically a port would be the most likely place of detonation. Yes, it would. But there are many places they could do this. The EMP attack is another very likely attack. That one there, I think, is even more likely. The black swan attack, either an EMP attack, which would be a nuclear attack, or just one that might not kill as many people directly from a fireball. That or maybe a, um, a cyber attack on our electric grid. I'm expecting something serious that shuts down our electric and banking. Y'all remember the warning in the X-Files video? They brought the X-Files back about 10 years ago and started doing them again for a short run. And everything that was in that short run was predictive programming for what we've seen since then. X-Files was very popular. They're doing predictive programming in NCIS. And they did it when the character of Gibbs was still there. And that was meant to desensitize you to the Constitution. Put terrorism, you know, if it's fighting terrorism, I can do whatever I want. The, the social engineering that's being conducted right now is everywhere. And it's not imagined. It's real. It's intentional. It has purpose and direction. It's in everything. It's been around for decades, and I just didn't see it. I needed more data points. I've got way too many data points in my head now. I don't know how to explain them to you. So when you have a day like today, we do a show like today. It seems like I'm jumping all over the place. I know it does to most of you. To me, all I'm doing is grabbing different pieces of the picture and trying to explain them to you. 
but they're all one picture to me in my head. I get it. I see it. I'm not crazy. It's just that we don't have enough time here for me to start explaining all of it. And the best way for your long-term class members, Charlie, would you please put your microphone on for a minute? I know you've been with us the whole time, right? All 338. Yep. Do you see how we're tying it all together today? Oh, man, yeah. And if you didn't have those 330-something previous shows, there'd be holes in what I'm showing you today, wouldn't oh, there? Oh, big time, yeah. But if you've been with me and you've done some of your homework to check behind me, then at least you know that I'm not as crazy as what a casual observer coming along just right now might think I am. There's reason for what I say, isn't there? There is. And I know that rather others of you that have been here for the whole time, you see it too. I know you do. <laughs> I like Dip's comment here. <laughs> I'm smelling what you step in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dipping in DDT there, Dip. I'm dipped by DDT. Uh, so, yeah, don't even get me going. We've already hit DDT one time. Not as poisonous we were told. No. It just saves too many people from dying in third world countries. So it had to go because it was getting in the way of Bill Gates's agenda. What? Yeah. Go back and find that conspiracy theory Thursday show. We've covered it already. Brought you the proof. So, but they said that, yeah, I know they said, what did I just tell you? Whatever they say, don't believe it. MK ultra mockingbird. That's all. That's the chant you need to know. So, Joe, if you take away all, all solid foundation in my world, what do I replace it with? That's an easy answer. Put the truth back under you. The scriptures. Oh, Joe, you're just trying to convert me. No. I'm trying to insulate you and help you. Bill Gates, interesting name. <laughs> Gates, yes. Our money's already worthless. Let's see what Mr. Holt has to say here. If you want to see proof that our money will soon be worthless, look no further than the acquisition of land and resources by the mega wealthy. Yes, they're using that, what can be only described as imaginary wealth, from the deriv derivative market to gain real material wealth, and they'll control when the reset occurs. Yes, yes. Mr. Mr. Holt, is, he sees. He sees it. He understands. That's exactly what's happening right now, Mr. Holt. And they don't have a lot of time left either. Yes. See, this goes back so far. When when I was a kid, my uncle was a hippie, one of my my youngest uncle. And he was in the hippie movement. And he kept telling me, I mean, I was, gosh, seven, eight, kept telling me there's going to be two ways they destroy the world and we're going to remake the world. And he says, one of them will we'll do without money. We'll do away with money. Nobody will have money. And he wouldn't tell me what the other way was. He wouldn't tell me. He'd just tell me not to worry about it. But he was preaching that. He was like 15 or 16 at the time. He's Like I said, he was in the hippie movement. He was a dope smoker, all that stuff, bead wearing, whatever. He grew up and he got disillusioned. He moved to, he moved to Alaska and became a conservative. Wonder what happened. If you're not a socialist when you're young, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative when you're old, you have no brain. Well, my uncle was many things, but he wasn't stupid. So he moved to Alaska on purpose, became a leave me the heck a loner. But what I remember about it is him stressing, there'll be no money. There'll be no money. There'll be no money. 
He didn't meant we won't use money. He meant there'll be no paper money. Where are we about to go? Gee, I wonder where that came from. Anyway. Charlie, you got anything for us today before we start wrapping this one up? Anybody got any questions on the board or any comments? Any? Anything? I got one for John, but I'll have to get back with them. Okay, I saw that. <laughs> but other than that. So what do you think, Charlie? How do we... Did you see where I was going today at all? Oh, yeah. I had fireflies going on when you were. Uh, but that's just because you're a fanboy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> For those who don't know, one of the reasons I cherish Charlie a great deal is Charlie is not a Kool-Aid drinker. <laughs> he tests me. He spends lots of hours following behind me on certain things. And uh, yeah, over time, it's gotten to where he doesn't spend as much time on it. Because how would that be, Charlie? Been a waste of time a few. Yeah, I, I, I've I've been disheartened with a lot of teachers and stuff, and so I have come to uh, be be a um, yeah whatever you say. I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> Cult member here. <laughs> yeah, you checked me out, but now how many times you caught me wrong? Uh, I. I I haven't been too good at that. Now, it's not because I'm always right. It's no. just because I don't share things that I can't support. That's all. And when I do share something with you that I'm iffy about, I usually put that in big old neon signs and tell you that. Make sure you know. So, because I don't want to deceive anybody. That's not my intention. So, we're good today. Got nothing else going on, folks? Yes, and they will tell us it was aliens. Yes, John. <laughs> yes, right. Bring in the aliens. Yep. Bring in the aliens. Oh, Charlie. Talking about aliens and cosmic deceptions. You're listening to a book right now. <laughs> I yeah. told the class to listen oh, or gosh. read this one. Oh, gosh, yeah. Which one are you reading, the facade or the portent? Uh, facade. Okay. Is that not on point? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's just getting good where I'm at now. <clears throat> yeah. Wait till you get to the portent. Oh, the facade is just the setup. Oh boy. It, that's the hook. Boy, in the second book, you want to get into aliens and, and deceptions and spiritual. It's biblically based and it's faction. It's a le, it's a little bit like reading a Michael Crichton book, isn't it, Charlie? Uh yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. We're going to wrap this one up, Charlie. I, I know you're busy. I, you're sidetracked doing producer stuff. Well, folks, I'm going to wrap this one today. I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. If my internet is not back up and running today, tomorrow is going to be a difficult class for me to put together in what we normally do. Yes, baby boop. What? Anyway, you forgot to mention the aliens in Miami. No, we, we did that already this week. You weren't here. No, no, you didn't really like actually talk about the aliens, right? You just said yes, they I did. Die, but... I did earlier this week. Yes, the the spirit teleporting whatever beings in Miami. Yes, we did talk about that this week. But but you miss a show, you miss a day, you miss a lot. I mean, I I, I put a three hour show into two hours around here, sometimes less. I was there, but the aliens, Joe. Yes, the aliens. The aliens. No, they were just Wendigo. Oh, Wendigo? Sk Wendigo and Skinwalker. Oh, that's okay then. 
Yeah, they yeah. See, they can't be aliens if they're window going skinwalkers. Don't be getting on to the Native Americans folklore. Oh, sorry. Of course, the window going skinwalkers are supposed to be interdimensional beings. <gasps> Look, we're back to aliens. <laughs> aliens. Which is yeah. why we've never found Bigfoot, because Daryl's an interdimensional being. Daryl's an alien, Charlie. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you see, we programmed our flavor of dementia into our AI. <laughs> Thanks for that, by the way. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just glad our regular AI is back because the other one I had yesterday, it was really messed up. Yeah, the Charlie AI? Yeah, that was that, yeah, that, that, one, did that not one's work. glitchy. Yeah, that, that one's really yeah, glitchy. We've got to put that one back into beta yeah, program. Yeah, that's got to go get completely reprogrammed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or did the two witnesses finally make their pro appearance in Miami? Dude, you already know I don't believe in that. You know who the two witnesses are. If you've been hanging around around here, I've proven that one scripturally before. Nothing but scripture. <laughs> Let's discuss the militia. Um, what it should look like today. That might be a subject for tomorrow. That one we can do off the cuff. We'll see how it goes. We love each and every one of you. We really do. We do. We wouldn't be doing this. Hopefully we served you today. I, I pray we did. That's my wish every day. Um, Y'all take care of yourselves out there, man. Um, spend a little time with family and, and start, put these things away. Or, or put them back in their place. You be the master over them. Don't let them master you. Um, focus on what's really important in the world. Don't just say it. Do it. Live it. You know. Don't, uh, from Joker, from Full Metal Jacket. Well, yeah, talk the talk, Pilgrim, but do you walk the walk? Well, walk it. Walk it. So, but that's you. You, you That's that's something you have to choose to do. Um, if you like what we're doing here, yeah, we'd love it if you'd share it with other people directly. If all you do is hit the share link, trust me, that gets throttled. So send them the link directly. Ask them to give us a chance. Tell them that the show builds on itself. Give us some time. Warn them about me in any way, shape, or form you'd like. I understand. I got you. If you do like what's going on here, you know, the way we're doing it, give the thumbs up signs and whatever, because especially for Natasha and Charlie, I know how it goes. You know, that's not, we love the show. No, 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 not here. The thumbs ups here and the rumble ups for here. That's because you appreciate Natasha and Charlie. That That's for us. If you like to keep us around, we would appreciate it if you go to the donut page. For normal people, that's called a donate page. All we're asking for is $5 a month. Buy us a cup of coffee or half a dozen donuts, $5 a month. Set it up on a reoccurring donation. We still need about eh, somewhere between five and seven of you to please come forward soon so that the last of the money every month coming out of my pocket can be shared. And then at least that way, we're breaking even. So, because, you know, I'm honest with you about that. Ain't nobody making a whole bunch of money here. Mm -mm. I don't think the powers that be are going to let us do that anytime soon. <laughs> we got to get over to YouTube to do that. <laughs> and YouTube would not allow this show to exist. <laughs> We're not politically correct. So otherwise, we do love you. We're look, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Tomorrow is Fallacy Friday, Founders Friday. Don't know which way we're going to be going. We'll see how it works out. Anyway, and uh, Colonel Brad, if we didn't like you too, you wouldn't still be here. So see, you're still here. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Bye-bye.